0: Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity.
1: Our guest today is Caitlin Glass, and she's an American voice actress, ADR director, and scriptwriter. She's been involved with a number of English versions of classic Japanese anime series and video games.
2: So I ended up with a tour at Funimation because I knew a guy who was a, an engineer there. And on the tour, I was given an on-the-spot audition. I said that I was a theater student, I had about a semester left. He goes, oh, you're an actor? He picks up a script, starts flipping through it, and he goes, I need somebody to say this line. Get in the booth and say this line right now.
0: Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents?
2: As far as personality goes, if you are self-motivated, then I think this is something you could succeed at.
0: We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Fred Keating. I'm in Edmonton, Canada. We just love this city, and Fred, Fred, you're out there in Vancouver, Canada and the reason I'm in Edmonton today is because I'm at the annual Anime Festival. This is actually one of the longest running conferences of any kind in Western Canada. There are about 10,000
1: people at this conference. Fred, tell our listeners who our guest is. Our guest today is Caitlin Glass and she's an American voice actress, ADR director and scriptwriter She's been involved with a number of English versions of classic Japanese anime series and video games. So, Caitlin, thanks very much for taking the time to uh, speak with us today.
2: Well, thanks very much for having me. I'm happy to be here. What exactly
1: is an ADR director?
2: ADR is Additional Dialogue, and the R stands for Replacement. So it's really just a very fancy industry term for dubbing. So we could say dubbing, but often the, the word dub could have a negative connotation associated with it. So we say ADR, and ADR is used in many areas of the industry, not just in anime. They use it in regular film and television all the time. It's essentially the replacement of dialogue that was initially recorded while filming. You know, so if, if on screen, if you were shooting you know, a scene between two people and you know, a car drove by and the boom mic picked up that car noise, those actors would come in the studio later and replace the dialogue in the studio. So we did the same thing with anime.
0: And you're also a voice actor. Tell us about this.
2: Uh, Yes, I've been voice acting since 2004, so I would be the actor who replaces the dialogue, and in this case, we're replacing the Japanese dialogue with English.
0: I'm really curious, how did you get into this?
2: (laughs) I have a degree in theatre. I studied at my universities in the same city as one of the the bigger dubbing companies in the States called Funimation. So I ended up with a tour at Funimation because I knew a guy who was an engineer there, and on the tour, I was given an on-the-spot audition, strangely enough, by another guy who's a guest at this convention this weekend. His name is Eric Vale, and he's the person who gave me an on-the-spot audition, and uh, a few days later, I started working there, and 12, 13 years later, I'm still doing it.
0: There must be a story behind this. Tell us your story. How did you get an on-the-spot audition when you just go to this place and, and you're doing a tour?
2: They're pretty used to tours because it's a strange sort of industry. So people that work there, you know, they might have a kid or their neighbor's kid really likes anime. So hey, bring them to the studio and let them see the place. So directors are, are used to that. But at the time in Funimation's history, they were about to grow exponentially. They're mainly known most famously for dubbing Dragon. Ball Z and the rest of the Dragon Ball shows and at this point in time in 2004 they were just starting to pick up other titles but only maybe a handful more but one in particular they uh, reversioned it to be called Case Closed in Japan it's called Detective Conan and it has a main cast of five or six but it's like a procedural so every episode there's a whole cast of characters just for that episode that are then going to be gone the next week so Funimation had to grow their talent pool exponentially so it was kind of a a case of right place right time when my friend led me into the particular studio where Eric was working he didn't have an actor at the time so that's quite fortuitous and he wasn't even paying attention much he was just making small talk and when he said who are you and what do you do I said that I was a theater student I had about a semester left he goes oh you're an actor He picks up a script, starts flipping through it, and he goes, I need somebody to say this line. Get in the booth and say this line right now. And I was like, okay, because we learned in school how to act professionally and take any opportunity that comes when it comes. And so I just got in the booth and did my thing. Uh, I seriously said one, maybe two sentences. Well, it was one sentence, one or two times only. And when I came out, he said, that was great. Your voice is great. Give your information uh, to Tara down the hall, and you can work here.
1: Fred, we've heard this so many times. Serendipity. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jeez, I wish I'd been on that tour. But that led to a number of of opportunities for a number of different companies, did it not, Caitlin?
2: Eventually, yes. I I mainly stayed at Funimation for the beginning of my career. That was in early 2004. By the middle of the year, I went on to get my first lead in a show. By the end of that year, I had a supporting role in a major show they were putting on TV. By the end of the following year, I began ADR directing. I'm not certain when I started working for other companies outside of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But it did eventually lead to that, yes.
1: Now, how many of these opportunities to get out and about and around the the continent or the world and connect with fans, how often does that happen for you these days?
2: It happens as often as I would like it to. If I wanted to, I could probably go to a convention every weekend of the year. It used to be when I first started doing this, you know, a dozen or so years ago. Maybe there was a convention every weekend somewhere in the country or in North America, but now there are multiple conventions every weekend across the continent. And then also outside, there are conventions in the UK, conventions in Australia, conventions in Central and South America, other places in Europe. It's crazy. But because I do direct full-time and then act in addition, I limit how many conventions I can go to. It's kind of hard to be away. Also, I'm married and I'm, you know, all of that. So it is summertime, though, and we promote a lot of shows during the summer. So I'll go to one or two conventions maximum per month.
0: When you were studying for your theater degree, Caitlin, did you think that you would be in this business?
2: I don't think I... I conceived of it being my career. I had intentions to go to graduate school, specifically to study classical theater, because that's what I really loved. But anime was just a hobby of mine, something I enjoyed watching. And one day while watching it in English, I watched all the way through the credits and saw that Funimation was in the city where I lived. and went, wow, I wonder if I could do that. And even when I started working at the job, I still intended to leave. In fact, I wanted to go teach English in Japan for a year just for fun and then go off to graduate school someplace. And uh, Christopher Sabat, another really well-known voice actor, encouraged me to stick it out. He's like, I think you're really good and you have a good thing going and that you should stay. And so upon his advice, I thought, okay, let's try this out for a little bit longer. Graduate school's not going anywhere. Let's see where this goes. Now it's my career. Just
1: out of curiosity, Caitlin, so are you an employee or is each project you're on a separate contract?
2: As a director, I am an employee of Funimation, though we do have contract directors in addition for the busier times of year. And when I first began directing, I was contract. They had a number of producers that were given shows to be in charge of, and then those producers each had a team of directors, and they would choose from us who would work on which shows. But now I am employed as a director by Funimation, and then I voice act in addition to that. And that is Uh, I don't know if I can say I think I can Uh, I do get paid as an actor in addition to being a director it's like a a monthly bonus my actor pay didn't go away just because I decided to direct full-time
1: and is there such a thing as a typical day in your life at the company
2: no (laughs) uh, there is for me as a director but I think as a voice actor no many of the actors in the in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex do many things and Funimation is just a part of what pays their bills we have a lot of commercial work in the area, so they could go from studio to studio recording on a video game over here. A friend of mine does the weekly grocery store ads every week she's in doing that, and then she'll come by the studio for a couple hours every few days. So there is not a typical day, no.
0: Caitlin, I know a lot of our listeners are saying, okay, you've got my attention. This is something I'm interested in. What advice do you have for people who might want to get into this field? And what do you think are some of the success attributes?
2: It's strange. It's the type of field that everybody says they have always wanted to try and they all feel that they would be good at. And we hear that so much as voice actors. It's almost as if people assume because they have a mouth and they have a voice and they talk every day it's a job that they can do because you know someone in line at the store told them they have a nice voice or someone on on the other end of the phone told them that once and there's so much more to it than that and I don't mean to be discouraging at all if anything I'm more of a a realist and not an idealist I think we all want to be taken seriously and we want folks to know that this is a a craft and an art form and uh, the majority of voice actors I know All have degrees, either in theater or in radio, TV, film. They understand the voice. They understand microphones and techniques. They've taken classes about just how to work and get jobs as a professional, about making demos, about marketing, about the different commercial types of voices that you'll need depending on the client some voice actors have their own home studios they produce all of their own things for other companies and that's part of their selling point you know hire me to do your project and I'll record it at my place and uh, put all the music behind it and do all of the editing I know people that do that other people that don't as far as personality goes if you are self-motivated then I think this is something you could succeed at but you can't be the type of person that needs someone behind you telling you what to do or reminding you of a deadline or saying, you know, you've got some auditions. Also, a person that can handle rejection, well I mean that's a really negative word to use and I know actors who don't like to use that word because it you know puts them in a bad mindset but let's just be honest you're you're going to be rejected more often than accepted you're going to be not right for the part more often than you are right so you have to have a really thick skin and understand that there's nothing necessarily wrong with you or your talent it's just not what the client was looking for and be able to get over it and move on and if that is not in your personality type to accept those moments in life, that this is not a job for you.
1: I'd like to go back right to the beginning of our interview, Caitlin, when you described being on the tour and then being asked to read a couple of sentences. I can imagine some listeners thinking, what a stroke of luck that was. And yet, however serendipitous it may have been, the fact is that you were trained, you were studying there, you had the goods, and as uh, Seneca, a very famous Roman philosopher once said, luck is simply preparation meeting opportunity. You were prepared and had what it took in order to take advantage of the opportunity that presented itself. And so I just say that in order to bolster what you said about the training aspect and not just assuming because one can speak, one can act or create and interpret a character.
2: Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. You really hit the nail on the head there. They always say, you know, In this business, it's about who you know, but to be honest, who you know can only get your foot in the door. It you know, can only maybe get you inside the building, but if you don't have, A, the talent to begin with, and if you haven't spent the time to develop that talent to learn all of the skills associated with it and to be prepared in any situation, it'll just be a quick tour in the building and then right back out that door again. So yes, that's exactly right.
0: You could very much embarrass yourself in front of those people you know.
2: Exactly, (laughs) you wouldn't want that to happen.
1: In addition to who you know, it's also who knows you and what they think of you, what impression you've made upon them in terms of your abilities, or in fact, as Caitlin was mentioning, your personality.
0: Absolutely, Caitlin's (laughs) nodding.
2: Yeah, I agree, I agree.
1: Well, Caitlin, you've also expanded into writing, yes?
2: A little bit, and we use the term writing because it's just the easiest thing to call it, but technically it's more an adaptation than anything. How it works is that a translation is provided to the adaptive script writer, Then it usually comes from in-house, folks that have been hired by the company to translate. They speak the language. And uh, they'll give that to us, and then it's our job to adapt that translation, which is in good English. It's not broken English. It's grammatically correct and everything, but it is often kind of bare bones. There may be notes in there from the translators explaining some things that are difficult, because Japanese is a complicated language sometimes, and we don't always have the words in English. But anyway, uh, we take all of that and make it match what we call the flaps, which are the mouth motions of the animation, because that's the trouble with dubbing. I mentioned earlier that it often has a negative connotation to the word, because immediately it conjures up images of those bad like kung fu movies, where they're you know talking really, really fast to fit in the mouth, or they don't even bother matching the mouth at all. And even if there were really good actors performing those lines, immediately you're going to think that they are Aren't good because what they're doing doesn't sync up with what you're seeing so in our versions it absolutely must like sync that is so very important so that's what the adaptive writer does the goal is to make it sound like this uh, cartoon was made in English to begin with
0: this is absolutely fascinating Fred <laughs> is there anything else that needs to be said before we wrap
1: up I'd like to ask Caitlin what's what's coming up what's next for you
2: Oh, wow. What is next for me? I am currently directing, ADR directing, the dub of a show called Love Live Sunshine. And Funimation uh, has started a pretty cool thing. We've been doing it for over a year now. It's what we call broadcast dubbing. So we will simulcast streaming on our site a show as it airs in Japan in Japanese. And then within either two to four weeks, you can see that same episode dubbed into English, which is just remarkable because you used to have to wait six months, eight months, a year, two years before you could get anything in English, and now we're doing it at an episodic rate. It's amazing. My current show is called Love Live Sunshine, as I mentioned, and uh, last year I had the privilege of adapting the scripts for the first Love Live show called Love Live School Idol Project, and it was done out in Los Angeles and I also got to be in that show. So when Funimation was able to pick up the, it's not really a sequel, it's more like a second series, I was so excited and then they asked me to direct it because I already know the property. So that's what I'm doing now and I'm loving it.
1: Well, Caitlin, it sounds like You are one of those terrific individuals who absolutely is in the right place at the right time and always has been. I wish you all the best. I appreciate your taking the time to chat with us today and and all best wishes on all your ongoing adventures in anime and other forms.
2: Well, thank you very much, Fred. This has been a privilege. I've really enjoyed uh, talking with you guys today. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity.